Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Nick Augustine, and I'm here with attorney Mark Scroggins of Rule Scroggins, PLLC, divorce and family law firm in Dallas, serving Dallas and Collin counties. This is the Rule Scroggins Family Law Podcast Series, featuring news and information in family law and divorce that matters to families in the DFW Metroplex. Attorneys Mark Scroggins and Keeley Rule are both board certified in family law by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization. As a team at Rule Scroggins, Mark and Keeley share a strong and diverse insight in the latest trends and developments in Texas family law. For more information, please visit rulescroggins.com, spelled R-U-L-E-S-C-R-O-G-G-I-N-S.com, where you will also find links to Rule Scroggins' social media pages so you can keep up with the news and articles of value to anyone going through divorce or family law matters. Today's show is titled Social Media and Communication Technology in Divorce and Family Law with attorney Mark Scroggins. I'll cover a few of the bullets that we'll talk about today. Uh, we'll have a quick introduction because this is our inaugural podcast, an introduction to Rule Scroggins and this podcast series. Then we'll jump right into talking about your permanent record on social networking sites, including Facebook. We'll talk about accessing a spouse's email, some of the state and federal wiretap laws that generally may apply, as well as recording other conversations with folks. We'll talk about social media communication technology and the discovery process when it becomes part and parcel of a family law matter. We'll also talk about attorneys advising their clients about social technology and special considerations during divorce and family law. And we will pinpoint when talking on the phone and taking handwritten notes or maybe talking in person could be better. Anyways, trying to avoid the pitfalls of social media and communication technologies are focused today, and we are here with board-certified family law attorney Mark L. Scroggins, and he's an aggressive and experienced trial attorney with a sound understanding of business matters that serves him well in family law. An accomplished speaker and author, Mark Scroggins has practiced family law throughout the state of Texas for over 20 years. He has written about family law matters for Texas Lawyer and numerous other periodicals and has spoken about litigation technology before numerous organizations and corporate clients. Mark Scroggins has a unique background in cutting-edge litigation technology, which is utilized by the entire firm to increase the benefit to its clients. By way of short disclaimer this morning, this is a general information program. Any advice shared on our show does not constitute legal advice. And listening to our attorneys cannot give rise to an attorney-client relationship. If you have specific questions about any of the content on today's program, you should call Rule Scroggins directly and make an appointment to speak to an attorney by dialing area code 214-578-0941. Again, that phone number, 214-578-0941. All rights to this broadcast are reserved. Enough from me. Let's hear from Mark. Mark, how are you doing this morning? I'm good, Nick. How are you? I am good. Since this is our first podcast in a long series, let's first go ahead by, uh, I'd like you to tell a little bit about the firm, your background, Keeley's background, how you all came together and combined some really great uh, backgrounds to form a, a, a great firm and what we're going to do on this podcast. And, uh, 
give the folks at home who might not know uh, you and Keely yet a little more information. Sure. Uh, Keely and I had uh, got known of each other for for a number of years, but we were uh, both with other firms, and uh, I'd actually been attempting to hire her to come work for uh, for my firm uh, for probably a year, year and a half, and, and Keely had continuously asked me about, hey, why don't we just go out and start our own firm, and uh, you know that would allow us to really serve our clients in a in a better way, and uh, I finally agreed. So we actually did that uh, last year and actually formed Rule Scroggins back on March 16th of last year. So we have been uh, up and running for just a, a little over a year, or actually a little less than a year now. So, and uh, you know, it's it's turned out to be a really, really good combination. Keeley's focus has been primarily Dallas and uh, a little bit of Collin, and uh, and my focus has been primarily Collin and Denton counties. Um, as well as some Dallas, and then we both do a little bit in uh, uh, Tarrant County as well. Very exciting. Well, congratulations ahead of time on the one-year anniversary. I hope that you all have a big party and celebrate. <laughs> I appreciate that. All right. All right. Well, <laughs> and at your party celebrating, might be going to care be careful about social media. Of course, uh, you know, it's something that we hear about time and time again um, in all aspects of, of business and life, um, you know, people being cautious uh, during political campaigns, uh, people wanting the boss not to see what they were doing on the weekend. You know, everybody knows that this stuff can follow you around, but in family law, it's a particularly compelling uh, problem, and while your social media account remains active, and though that's something we can talk about because sometimes people want to rush and delete that, uh, sometimes your permanent record on social networking sites is already out there. People have the opportunity to grab screenshots of things. We have no idea. As we've seen, you know, I, when we look at people who haven't been in divorce who are contemplating, let's take a look at the pol political races, and people seem to be able to find information from way in the past, dig things up. So that could come up in divorce too. Mark, how does it work with social media and things like Facebook and divorce? Uh, and uh, what should we know about our permanent record? Should we hide under the desk, or is this something that people can face? You know, Nick, and I'm sorry, my, my phone cut out there for just half a second. Um, you know, so social media is one of those things that it is, you know, it's been a, a wonderful tool to allow, uh, you know, people to reconnect that they hadn't seen in a long time. The problem is, that people end up treating social media like it's their own, you know, little bully pulpit that they can get up there stream or one of the extremes and, you know, it just goes goes out there in the ethernet. And so I think some people look at it like, you know, they they want to bitch about something and get something off their chest and they put it out there. The problem is you know, you got to kind of look at this like you're having a conversation with someone. You know, if you and I are having a conversation and I don't like, you know, something that you're doing, I'm not necessarily going to say anything because, you know, proper decorum would, would prohibit that. Yet, for whatever reason, people don't seem to uh, really pay that that much attention on social media. All you have to do is look on uh, you know, look on Facebook or Twitter or Google Plus or Instagram or, you know, in, God, Snapchat, any any assorted one of these. And people will just, you know, it, it's almost like a stream of consciousness 
type of thing. I was uh, I actually posted something the other day along with one of the articles that that we posted and said, you know, repeat after me, uh, pause uh, <laughs> before pressing send. You know, it's just there doesn't seem to be a filter for a lot of people, and that is just that can be a horrible, horrible situation. And a lot of others. I was talking to a to a client the other day that is a uh, that's a business owner, and uh, he was telling me that you know one of their folks was uh, had called in and HR had called him about it because they were calling in, they were sick, couldn't make it into the office yet. You know, this knucklehead had posted a bunch of stuff on on Facebook, you know, showing that they were at some big party the night before, you know, boozing it up, which, you know, it's all well and good. Go do whatever you want to do, but maybe you don't want to post that kind of stuff where it's easily accessible by your boss or, uh, you know, even worse, if, if you're going through a divorce situation, something that could have an impact on uh, on those proceedings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Something that I've seen uh, all too frequently and unfortunately is the passive-aggressive attacks uh, on a soon-to-be ex-spouse on Facebook or people interpreting uh, pictures and posts that people will see and then sharing it with their friends saying, so-and-so is a good mother, so-and-so is a bad mother, so you know, and that can and does come up and enter into the family law cases. So. Uh, what do you advise, you know, what do you tell your clients and, and how does how does this get involved? And, you know, I worked in family law firms before Facebook uh, was something to worry about. We were more worried right. about emails then. Uh, how are things uh, – and the, this is a topic that continues to evolve from year to year. It really is. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned email. It is, uh, you know, it, it's not just social media. It's basically, you know, all these different avenues that are available to us in in the digital era. And, um, you know, I've been doing this for, for a long time now, and I, you know, hate to date myself to such a degree. But, you know, I remember when, uh, you know, there was still that curly paper that was used on, on fax machines, you know, and the Internet was I a, learned on that was stuff a new too. deal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it's, you know, it has all evolved, but... You run into the same problems with, you know, text messaging and uh, email, you know, kind of as to what is the most problematic and what is the least. Email seems to be the least. At least people are beginning to get a little better about that, but they still, you know, people will put things in an email that they wouldn't say to a person's face. Then you take it to text messaging, and it goes down another another level and significantly and um you know and those things are those things are out there you know just because you you delete them doesn't mean that they're not going to be able to subpoena the records from uh you know from the phone companies and be able to get those and then you've got you know the social media which uh you know here here is something that happens at the beginning of every of every lawsuit there is either going to be a standing order in place, or there is going to be an additional order that is going to be sought that is basically going to be a cease and desist from deleting any of the postings that you have made on these media accounts so that it can be gathered. So just think about that kind of stuff. You know, you and your spouse, and let's say that you got two kids and y'all are um, not getting along, and, you know, so you start posting a bunch of passive-aggressive kind of stuff about your uh, about your spouse well 
you know, you might as well just said something directly to the judge because that's where it's going. You know, I can guarantee you that uh, we're going to get a hold of that, and it's going to be put in evidence if it is relevant to the division of the marital estate or, you know, con conservatorship and possession and access of a child or children. That stuff's coming in. So uh, you need to be, you need to think long and hard about what you're going to, what you're going to post up there. And it can, you know, even things that people don't think about. I mean, the political climate is such that it tends to um, get people's, you know, blood boiling. You know, people are real passionate about a bunch of stuff. But if you start going off on uh, on different things and start espousing certain views, you know, the way you come across can can come into play. And let's say that one of the issues in your divorce as far as uh, conservatorship is that you're saying, you know, that uh, a claim is being made that you have anger management problems. Well, if they go on social media and see that, you know, you're up there, you know, on your soapbox just bitching and moaning about everything and you've come across as just this angry, aggrieved individual who is just mad at the world, that doesn't play well for you at all. You know, so you and really need to take be inferred before you put that stuff up there. That could just be inferred by the tone of some of the things that people share. And just in people sharing political posts, it might not even be our speech, but when we share other things, we're in, you know, by sharing that, it's an implied endorsement of that other speech. Now, I've got, I've got a question for you, Mark. How, it, well, in the past, uh, we know that here in, in Texas we have no-fault divorce, but there are also the fault grounds that people can plead their allegations on. Uh, and right. in some cases get a, uh, a larger share of uh, the marital estate. So in the past where we had to hire expensive private detectives to follow people around and you know everything else that was involved in proving fall crowns, um, have you seen people come to you and say, well, I think I want to ask for uh, you know different fall crowns in my divorce because I think I can prove it in social media. And, and if, if that is the case, how far can we really go back if we're going to judge a person's character, um, you know, because we could go back in many cases to the two early, you know, 2008 or nine or whenever people join on Facebook, and um, how far? I mean, how far do we have to worry about people going back? And and is that something that people are interested in these days? It, it is something that people uh, are interested in. The question of how far you go back. I mean, a lot of that's going to depend on you know the length of the marriage. Uh, you know, generally the court is not going to entertain uh, anything that is prior to the marriage as far as bad action. And let me kind of clarify something there. I mean, there are a bunch of fault bases for for divorce. The main one that that most people hear about is infidelity. Now, having said that, there's a lot of bad action, so to speak, and I'm using that term that you know, bad action is kind of vague and it's it is very general. <coughs> Excuse me. But one of the things that you know we can use that kind of as a catch-all category to talk about, like, if someone's got alcohol problems or drug problems or, uh, you know, you see stuff now where people are claiming that uh, with infidelity that it's, a, that it's a sexual addiction or there's been a gambling addiction or, uh, you know, problems with money. I mean, economics are always the, the biggest thing that uh, tends to break, break up marriages. But all of these areas social media is very relevant and can provide some some fantastic uh, 
you know, some some fantastic evidence and information. Let's say there's there's allegation of uh, of gambling problems and you know uh, wasting of community assets. Well, you know, if Joe Blow is going to the casinos all the time and is posting pictures of, hey, I just you know saw whoever I think Diana Ross is at one of the you know one of the the casinos this. Well, if they're going up there posting all that, you can infer some things with that. Of you know, if, if there are all these money problems, what the hell is he doing in a in a casino? You know, just doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense. Conversely, you know, if there there are issues of infidelity, and all of a sudden, you know, you get people that are that are posting uh, posting different things of different outings in different cities where they were there on business, you know, and it never seems to fail that you know the spouse doesn't know about. Certain uh, certain places that that, that uh, the spouse was, and different people might show up, show up in photographs. It's not the person that 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 spouse is having an affair with. Uh, you know, it gives ideas of other people who can provide evidence of uh, his or her behavior on those trips. And you know, were they were they drinking a lot? Were they um, uh, you know, who were they hanging out with? What was the behavior like? You know, so there's just a world of information that can be ascertained. Just like, you know, now you hear about uh, someone complaining that someone's, you know, just spending money as fast as he or she can make it. And you get someone who's posting all these things. Look what I just found on this at this great sale, you know, <laughs> and doing all this kind of stuff. So uh, you're right. There is a ton of information out there that uh, that can be gathered from social media, there are still times where you're, you know, obviously going to going to want to hire a a private investigator. But I would say that it is uh, not nearly as often um, as it was, say, you know, 15 years ago. Technology has, in many ways, made it so much easier. Um, I can remember, uh, oh, this is probably years ago, probably around 2004, 2005. I was working in a family law firm where. Someone was, um, I was a doctor with a client, and the 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 wife had installed a tracking device on his vehicle and key loggers onto the computer at home that logged all the keystrokes. Well, I think of some of those things now. You don't need expensive devices and technology. Most of us have the phone tracker app on the phone. So I wonder how often that happens that people are tracking people and. Um, you know, sometimes I wonder how many, how much of this actually leads to divorce. Remote access code because people are paranoid um, uh, and not trusting their spouse. Well, that is definitely an issue. And let me, that you know, that's. I'm glad you brought brought that up of the keystroke tracker and things like that. You've got to be real careful with that kind of stuff because you can get, uh, you know, all of a sudden you can get into violations of uh, computer uh, computer and wiretapping laws. And the, the the thing is, generally, there are other ways that you can find out the same information without, you know, either walking up or crossing that line from inquiry to criminal activity. Um, I'll tell you one way that is that has gotten really interesting. You know, generally, if there is a, an allegation of infidelity, it, you know, there are going to be times where, one spouse has told the other, you know, I'm going to be here, and then, you know, you don't believe that they are there. I'll tell you a great way that you can find that kind of stuff out. If you've got a toll tag, like just about everybody else does, 
you can pull that information up online and, uh, you know, on your account and see what car has been going through what booths at what time. I mean, that's a, that's a great way to be able to find out that kind of stuff. Uh, if you, you know, you talk about putting a tracker on a car, if, you know, if the car is titled in your name, that's probably okay. But if it is titled just in your spouse's name, boy, I wouldn't want to go there because that is that is opening up a can of worms that um, even if it is not necessarily criminal in nature, uh, you might have a difficult time being able to offer uh, offer any of that information into evidence under the old, you know, uh, fruit of the, the poison tree, poison fruit of the tree. So uh, you got to be careful on that kind of stuff. That's That's really why when you start doing this, it's you, you can pick up a vast amount of information, but before you really start on your information-gathering journey, if you are planning on a divorce, boy, you really need to talk to a lawyer to find out what you can do and what is just plain out of bounds. Well, and when you are – I'm thinking of this in, in the position of the judge, and if I'm a judge, I'm looking at things like credibility, and sometimes – a lot of people who find themselves the victim actually look more like the aggressor on the hunt when they produce so much. And, uh, you know, within the way of social media, that it's like, look at this, look at this, look at this. And you kind of got to wonder sometimes if people are really playing with the full deck or they're so overcome with emotions that they are reading things into things that aren't there. Yeah, and that's where it's, you know, it really is a a fine-edged sword that, you know, that you're balancing on there. Um, I think, you know, there are plenty of times where someone has, um, you know, has found out that, you know, say the spouse is, I'm just using this because this is an easy example, uh, but let's say that the one spouse is, has found out that, you know, his his or her spouse is having an affair, and Based on that, they decide that hey, you know, I can't. That that's just the trust is violated. There's no way that uh, that I can get past that. So I am ready to go ahead and get divorced. In that kind of situation, uh, you know, often it is a good idea to try to gather information before you file, uh, especially especially if if that spouse does not have information. To a lot of the a lot of the stuff that the other spouse does, and perfect example of this, and one that I've been involved in a lot of different times is, let's say that you have uh, have a woman who's been a, a stay at home mom, you know, and uh, husband has a has a high powered job and travels a lot and all that, and she finds out that that he's been having an affair, and let's say he's also been the one who is you know takes care of you know all the financial information and pays all the bills and does all that kind of stuff. Uh, a lot of the time it is a good idea before you just, you know, decide, you know, Katie bar the door, we're filing everything and, you know, guns a-blazing, you probably want to hold off a little bit and try to gather some information, uh, you know, to, to find out what is the, you know, what's the economic situation, what do the investments look like, how much does everybody make? I mean, typically the spouse is going to have access mm -hmm. to 
to a fair amount of that, either uh, you know from the tax returns that that they've been filed, uh, a CPA or or accounting person that they have used, uh, you know, an investment person, and and a lot of this can be you know under the uh, auspices of you know just trying to stay on top of everything. So a lot of the time you you want to do that. However, there are plenty of times, uh, I think, like what you what you were talking about, where uh, someone for whatever reason, you know, and everybody has their own baggage that they carry with them. But for whatever reason, that that person has made a determination that they have been wronged by their spouse in in a certain way, and so uh, they go about the um, they go about the process of not just uh, evidence collecting, but it's almost evidence creation of trying to, uh, you know, lure lure the other spouse into some sort of a trap. Kind of a lot of time through, um, you know, some passive aggressive type type postings or, or things that just can look uh, a little strange. And I think, you know, like you said, you need to be very careful in that situation because that can really mm-hmm. absolutely backfire on you. What would you tell a client who comes to you says, things are not going well, I fear that she's going to file for divorce, or if she doesn't, I may have to, and I know there's stuff on Facebook that's probably not the best, doesn't put me in the best light, but I don't know what she's got screenshots of not or not. Um, I certainly don't want to violate any rules once the divorce is, is uh, you know prepared, but if a month or two before a divorce, if someone's going in deleting things, is the judge going to have a problem with that? Is that going to make me look less credible? What would you tell someone with those questions? Well, you know, there's, once again, I mean, here's kind of a, a little bit of a gray area. I mean, there there is nothing, there is no court order to keep you from uh, deleting postings prior to uh, a case being filed, okay? However, once that case is filed, that's a whole different story. Um, however, and here's where people have run into problems. I mean, typically, if someone's if someone's figuring out that they're going to run uh, or that not run, if they're going to file for divorce, uh, they are going to have gone in and gotten screenshots of different things. Okay, so when or if your deposition is taken and they're showing you these postings, you've got to make sure that you testify truthfully that yes, you know, yes, I posted that or uh, or no, I didn't post that. Um, so, you know, you've got to, you've got to answer truthfully on all that stuff where people run into problems is they think, well, I took that down. So, you know, now it's like, it, it doesn't make sense. That's just right. not right. Yeah. Right. And that's not, that's not the case. It's just like, you know, someone who, uh, you know, uh, one party makes an accusation against the other that there's a porn addiction involved and they think, oh, well, I'm, you know, deleting my, uh, my search history and all that kind of stuff. So there's nothing there. Well, that's not right. You know, a lot of that stuff is still going to reside on the hard drive. It might be fragmented, but, you know, you use a computer uh, computer forensic expert to go in and, uh, you know, pull a lot of that kind of stuff. And I can tell you, we can generally find um, all that we need and more. Watch out. The family law attorneys know everything. Uh, here's my, my one, <laughs> another question about sure. the uh, recording, people recording each other in yeah. conversation. Let's say you're going to, uh, you're fixing to get divorced and going to go around to your husband's uh, friends or buddies or family members or something, and you've got your, uh, you know, your little individual investigator with the iPhone with the recording uh, in the pocket. What, what should we know about that? Well, 
there is a in Texas as long as one party to the conversation knows about the uh, knows about the taping, then it's fine. So what does that mean exactly? Because that sounds kind of confusing. In other words, you and I are having this conversation. If I'm tape recording it, even though you don't know I'm tape recording it, it's okay. Doesn't matter. But if you and I were in a room and my paralegal had stuck a recording device somewhere in that room, and so neither you nor I knew that we were being recorded, that is a violation of the wiretapping laws, both federal and state, okay? So that's where people get into trouble. Now, it's also important for people to understand what I just said is only the law in Texas, okay? I'm not talking about what the law is in other states. As a matter of fact, if um, if a lot of y'all can remember back when Bill Clinton was president and, you know, all that Monica Lewinsky business was going on and Linda Tripp, who had recorded these conversations with Monica Lewinsky, and she, you know, was subject to federal charges or state charges. I want to say it was in Maryland. That's because the law there is different than what it is in Texas. In Texas, if that conversation would have happened within the state of Texas between, you know, Monica Lewinsky and Linda Tripp, there wouldn't have been anything illegal about it because Linda Tripp obviously knew that she was taping Monica Lewinsky. Monica Lewinsky not knowing anything, uh, you know, was irrelevant as far as the legality of that goes in Texas. But different states are different. So, you know, if, you know, if your spouse uh, was Jane Doe was taking you know, a bunch of business trips to, let's just say, Maryland, you know, I wouldn't be tape recording that conversation uh, just out of questions of what law applies and mm-hmm. the ability of getting into some trouble there. So you just mm-hmm. got to be real careful on, on that. Right, right. And people should also be advised, but, you know, we have a lot of people here in Texas who are new to the state and moved from other parts of the country with very different family laws. Uh, Texas laws are significantly different, but a lot of it is based on our Texas Constitution. A lot of states don't have a constitution like ours. And so, any, you know, it's always good to talk to a family law attorney before you make any moves or decisions or anything. Uh, Mark, we're just about out of time. Do you want to quick tell us about any upcoming events? Uh, we always like to advertise events going on in different uh, organizations that people are a part of. Uh, anything coming up you wanted to mention? You know, I, I can't think of any specific events that are coming up, but I do want to make uh, I do want to make people aware of one thing. A lot of folks, uh, when they're going through a divorce, are just um, you know you get ate up emotionally going through these. It is a hard thing to go through, um, you know, and, and I can speak to that personally as well because I've I've been divorced myself, and uh, you know it, it's rough on you emotionally to to go through all that now. Have, having said that, the good thing is, you know, there are there are avenues that can be used out there to assist someone when they're going through uh, that type of situation. You hear about all these divorce recovery workshops, and obviously there are a bunch of, you know, counselors and things like that out there. And what I would suggest to people is don't be afraid to utilize those assets that uh, that are out there to help you get through a hard time because. Uh, going through a divorce is hard. You know, once you get out of it and through it, boy, things get a whole lot better. But unfortunately, the only way around it is through it. So, you know, so anything that can that can assist you with, uh, you know, the emotional upheaval that goes along with that, uh, you know, so that somebody all of a sudden they're starting to 
drink too much or using some something else as an escape mechanism is something that you should really look into. Uh, you know, talk to a, a good board certified divorce lawyer who can, uh, you know, point you in the right direction of uh, some folks to talk to or uh, some different things like that that are out there, and, and they can sure help as well. Right, especially getting over things like trust issues. The quicker folks can spot those and just work on recovering, because I don't think anybody expects you to, you know, walk out of the, you know, last days of your divorce and just turn the page and be a bright, happy sunshine. It takes a while, and um, especially when there's kids involved, so many things with kids and co-parenting, and there's a lot of, um, I always suggest that people talk to a lot of different folks. And again, uh, Mark, if we can just uh, quickly talk about that Texas board certification, what that means and why sure. that's important. Well, the uh, being board certified in family law, of, of all the lawyers in Texas, only I think it's about 1.5% of the lawyers in Texas are actually board certified in family law. And what that means is that that person who has achieved that has a heightened level of experience and knowledge. I mean, you have to have met certain criteria to even be able to sit for the board certification exam. You have to, you know, practiced a certain number of years, and family law has to have been at least a certain percentage of, of your practice and had, you know, meet all these criteria, whether it's hearings, mediations, trials, jury trials, appeals. Anyway, so it's, it's a heightened level of experience to be able to even sit for the board certifi- certification exam. And then you go through a uh, an exam that is really, really difficult. Um, you know, to be able to achieve it. And, you know, the passing rates on it are low. And so, you know, you really, it shows that somebody really has a high level experience and knows what they're, knows what they're talking about when they tell you here, here's what the situation is and here's what your, uh, you know, here's what your options are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. Both, just to know, both Mark Scroggins and Keeley Rule are both uh, Texas board certified. So Mark, I want to thank you for your time today. And as we're, uh, departing here, uh, if you could please give folks at home the best ways that you would like to allow them to contact you to continue this dialogue. If anything in this podcast sparked their question, whether it be for them or a friend end quote or anybody, uh, how can people get in touch with you best? Uh, you can always call me at the office at 214-578-0941, or you can send me an email at mark at ruleScroggins.com. All right, Mark. I thank you again for your time, and I look forward to our next uh, podcast. And if anybody does have suggestions for content on these podcasts, please do get in touch with the firm through one of the social media methods, Uh, There's a contact the firm page right on the website, rulescroggins.com. We really program these shows to give people the information that they want to have and use to be better informed. I also want to remind people out there listening to these programs to be kind and share these on your social media, whether it be LinkedIn, Facebook. That one time that you hit that like button, you might be sending that information to someone else's feed who really is looking for this information because not everybody wears it like a banner that they are thinking of getting divorced. So again, we appreciate everybody's help in sharing our content. And Mark, I want to thank you again. I enjoyed our uh, initial podcast. Thanks, Nick. All right. 
We'll talk to everyone later. Again, Rule Scroggins is available at area code 214-578-0941. That's all for right now. We'll be back to you all soon. Thank you.